0: coming up on Marriage Today.
1: I thought that when you got married, that your spouse, you know, day by day, just became a better mind reader, and that that was just something that happened when you get married. You know, you become professional mind readers of each other, right? And so, I started doing this thing where I would just assume that if I stomped around enough, or if I rolled my eyes enough, or if I, you know, kind of paused in my, my speaking enough, I didn't really have to tell him how I felt, because we're married, he's supposed to know me. He should know, right? I would say should quite a bit. Well, and there usually and, and was I, this attitude with it As too, a guy,
2: you know? I had this idea that whatever she says is what she means, even if she's stomping around. We can have this sharp, kind of aggressive tone in our voices when we come home. And we've got we've to watch that, because the tone of your words will really shape the tone of your marriage.
1: We are Dave and Ashley Willis with Marriage Today, and we are so excited to be sharing part of our 2017 XO Conference
2: session. Yeah, and I'm particularly excited about this because it gets to the heart of what I think is one of the most important issues in a marriage, which is communication. Absolutely. And we were both communication majors in college and thought, we were gonna have no problem with this. We're naturals, right. but it's hard. It we learned hard. that communicating in marriage <laughs> is hard. really, really hard. And so what you're gonna see is gonna be some of what we've learned through years of research of the words you need to remove from your marriage vocabulary, of some expectations and some assumptions that you need to maybe stop making, and some tools that are gonna help you and your spouse communicate on a much deeper level. Because communication in marriage is like breathing for a body. It's, it's what keeps the marriage Alive. And yet I think so often we sabotage our marriage, sometimes without even meaning to, just through simple miscommunication.
1: That's right, so we're gonna learn more about this in this teaching, watch this, and we'll be back right afterwards.
2: How many of you, like us, we're both firstborns. How many of you firstborns. are the firstborn in your family? Yes.
1: Put those hands up real quick, you know. Yes,
2: a lot of strong, confident people, you know. Most presidents yes. are firstborn. <laughs> you know, we raise those hands fat, fast. But here's the thing we firstborns don't talk about for all our confidence. We are hard to love, and it's because we're we're messed up. But it's not your fault. It's your parents' fault. When your parents brought you home from the hospital, they had no idea what they were doing. They had no idea. It's amazing we even survived, you know. And then, this is what happens, they start having other kids, and they they feel like they need to make an example out of the firstborn, right, to scare the other ones. So you had way more chores, didn't you? You got spanked way more. Who got spanked way more than their siblings? Some of you are are looking at me weird like you don't believe in spanking your children. You know what, bring them to us, we'll spank them for you. Yes. We'll do it. It's It's just something
1: we offer. It's
2: a free public service that we offer. So firstborns are are hard to love.
1: Yes, but then we come to, who's the baby? Who's the baby in their family? Yes, you're like, look at me, I'm the baby. Right? I love attention. I love attention. And you know, of course, babies in the family are even more messed up than the firstborns. Way more we messed up. You know this, right? And it makes you, it makes you a little hard to love because you know, your parents, by the time you came along, you, they were just so exhausted and they and they just let you eat pizza for breakfast. They, they let you stay up way later than your siblings. They maybe breastfed you till you were 13. I mean, they probably rocked you. They rocked you like a crazy long time until you were like in high school. I mean, we do these weird things with the babies and so it makes us a little bit hard to love, right? Yeah,
2: it, it does, you babies, you're, 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 we love you, Jesus loves you, but you're hard to love. Now, how many of you are, are a middle child? Yeah, a couple of you cheered, but most of you were like, no one's ever asked about me before. I, 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 am I allowed to raise my hand? I never. Mom and dad never noticed me, you know? And you guys oh,
1: middle child.
2: are, of course, the most messed up. And it's not its not your fault. It's its really not your fault at all. It's that your parents, they didn't even know you were there. You know, they they spent so much energy on the firstborn and then they baby the baby. They might've had some kids in between. They're not even sure. Know. You know, you go to their house right now, there's not even a picture of you and I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm so sorry that you had to endure that. I'm not even gonna ask about you only, children, because you've raised your hands three times already. You do, you have. That's
1: true.
2: (laughs) And so the truth is, we we all bring some baggage into the marriage, and honestly, birth order really has nothing to do with it. It's just a funny way of pointing out that all of us come into marriage with some things that make us difficult to love, some blind spots we have, and some of it is the result of our own quirks, some of it's the result of our own sin, our own choices that we've made, and some of it's the result of things that have happened to us that are completely out of our control. And yet God tells us to love at all times. And people usually need love the most in those moments when they deserve it the least, don't Mm -hmm. they? And God gives His very best to us. He sent His Son to us to die for us while we were still sinners. He gave His best when we were at our worst. And then He says, and that's how I want you to love each other. Everything the Bible says about love, do that for your spouse, the Bible says love is patient, love is kind. How would your marriage look different if you were always patient and always kind to your spouse? Yeah. The Bible says that, that love never gives up. So what would your marriage look like if you both had that mentality that said, we are never going to give up on each other. The, the Bible says to speak kindly, to forgive. If we just do what the Bible says, that sometimes we're more likely to do for strangers and co-workers and people That's throughout right. the day than we are for that person that should matter most, our, our spouse. And so if we'll just love and realize that love is not just this empty emotion, but love is this beautiful action that the Holy Spirit empowers within us to, to give freely, especially in those moments when the, our spouse might not be particularly lovable, then our marriage can transform. That's right. So what do you wanna lead off here?
1: Absolutely, and this is huge. Always be honest with each other. Secrets and lies are the enemies of intimacy. And a verse that we have that, we, that goes directly with this is Genesis 2.25. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And you know, when, when we read this verse, for those of you who heard naked and you're with us for the first time, welcome back.
2: Yeah, you said naked and half the guy's like perked up. They're like, what, where? You know, it's, so we're glad
1: you're here. It's a great
2: (laughs) Bible verse. It,
1: It is, you know, we love hearing the word naked. Being naked and being married is awesome, right? And of course they're talking about the physical nakedness there, But we believe, you know, when when God was talking about this, when He was designing marriage and He said they were both naked and felt no shame, He's talking about them being naked on a spiritual level as well. Having what we like to refer to as a naked marriage where there are no lies between them. There are no secrets. There's no hidden bank accounts. There's no secret cell phones. There's no friends on Facebook they don't want their spouse to know about. There's nothing that we hide from our spouse because when we do this, we don't have the kind of marriage that God wants us to have.
2: Yeah, the the, the level of your honesty is always going to determine the level of your intimacy in marriage. Mm -hmm. And the moment you find yourself keeping secrets from your spouse, then you're already outside the bounds of that covenant that God created. Your marriage is no longer naked. I think God intentionally painted the picture of that first marriage before there was sin, before there was anything getting in the way, and He told us they were naked, not just to paint the picture of the importance of physical intimacy in marriage, But to paint the picture as Ashley said of being naked emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Nakedness is is a picture of saying, I've got nothing to hide from you. There's nothing up my sleeve. I'm not even wearing sleeves. There's nothing that I'm hiding from you. And so if you want your marriage to go to that next level, then take what we call the secret free guarantee. It's saying, I'm not going to keep anything from you and there's no question that's off limits. You can ask me anything Mm -hmm. and I wanna do my best to give you an honest response. You can ask me anything, and, and the first time that I start stepping out of bounds and making a purchase that I don't want you to find out about, or having a conversation that I hope you don't find out about, then I'm going to recognize I'm out of bounds, and I'm going to confess that, and I'm going to fight for trust in our marriage, because trust is the foundation of every healthy marriage, and so we've got to fight for that kind of transparency.
1: And it's true, you know, what, what really, having trust starts with being vulnerable, with one another, but that word vulnerability has kind of gotten a bad rap in our culture. You know, we live in a culture that says, trust no one. Don't even trust your spouse. And when you go into marriage, you need to have a secret bank account or something just in case it goes wrong. And this even happens among Christians. Among Christians who, you know, we, we know the God that designed marriage. We know what he says about marriage. And yet we get so afraid to completely be vulnerable with our spouse. But God designed us as vulnerable creatures. You know, we're designed first and foremost to be vulnerable with God. We don't hide things from God. He knows it all anyway, but He wants us to come to Him and to give it all to Him, to surrender everything to Him. And as far as human relationships go, marriage is the, the biggest place, the biggest relationship we can have where we can be vulnerable with one another. And when we are, it just binds our hearts. And like Dave said, it's really the first step to intimacy. And you really can't have the kind of physical intimacy that God wants you to have in marriage without having vulnerability first. And so, you know, if we're not willing to be vulnerable with our spouse, we still have that desire. And so what we'll find is we'll we'll be vulnerable with someone else. And like Dave said, we'll step out of bounds of the marriage. We'll have maybe a person at work that we find easy to talk to and we step out of bounds and we start sharing our hearts with them instead of with our spouse. Or maybe we form a codependent relationship with one of our children. I know people who are more vulnerable and open and honest with their children than they are with their spouse, and that is completely out of whack. That is not what God designed. And really, it's too much to put on our kids, even if they're grown. We're supposed to be vulnerable with our spouse. So it's so important that we, we don't hold back. We gotta give it all and share it all and say, this is me, this is what I'm feeling. And I'm not ashamed to share it with you because I love you and I trust you.
2: That's a, that's absolutely right. And and one, she said so much in there that was so wise. And And one thing that I think especially for those of you who are like us, who are in that season of life where you're raising young kids, and it is intense. I mean, we've got four little boys. It's I, nice. I am exhausted. Like right now, I'm not, I even, know. I'm not even sure I'm awake. This might be a dream. I'm not sure. I'm so tired at is this, this happening? moment. I and and know. We, we talk to couples a lot of times and they have this mentality of like, you know, we got to put the kids first, got to put the kids first. And they put their marriage on hold. Mm-hmm. And, and they put their marriage on hold and they think someday I'm going to get around to, to working on my marriage, but right now my kids have to come first. And what happens is the kids finally grow up and move out and these two, this couple looks at each other and they realize Mm -hmm. they're looking at a stranger. Mm -hmm. And they they, they realize that they have an empty nest and an empty marriage at the same time. And so there's an epidemic of divorce that's happening among people that that have been married for 20 years that have raised their kids and they realize we were really good business partners, we were really good co-parenting partners, but we forgot to be husband and wife. And so, yes, I'm all about sacrificing for our kids, but one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is to have the kind of marriage that makes them wanna get married someday. Absolutely. One of the greatest gifts you can give your kids is to model for them what marriage should be and to give them the security that comes from seeing a mom and a dad in a loving relationship with God mm-hmm. and in a loving relationship with one another. And part of how you model that leads directly into number two. Right. And it's about communication. We've talked about transparency, and this is kind of the next level of that. Uh, it's, right. it's, a, it's about not making assumptions.
1: Yes, and so number two is don't make assumptions about how your spouse feels. When we make assumptions, we limit our ability to hear and understand each other's true feelings. And there is a verse in Ecclesiastes in ten thirteen where it, it just paints this picture so perfectly. It says, fools base their thoughts on foolish assumptions, so their conclusions are wicked madness. And I don't know about you, maybe you're not as crazy as I am, and maybe you haven't made the same mistakes I have, but I, when I got married to Dave, I thought that when you got married, that your spouse, you know, day by day, just became a better mind reader, and that that was just something that happened when you get married, you know, you become professional mind readers of each other, right? And so I started doing this thing where I would just assume that if I stomped around enough or if I rolled my eyes enough or if I, you know, kind of paused in my, my speaking enough, I didn't really have to tell him how I felt because we're married, he's supposed to know me. He should know, right? I would say should quite a bit. Well, and there and, usually and was I, this attitude with it a too. As a guy,
2: you know? I had this idea that whatever she says is what she means, even if she's stomping around.
0: And, and so, ladies, like I we didn't know what well, I, I would
2: think, well, she said That's she's okay. Crazy. If I didn't know better, I'd think she wasn't. But I'm going to go back to watching Sports Center because she said she was okay, right. even though she's stomping around, and it kind of got us into trouble.
1: It did. It did. So I kind of had to learn this the hard way. And there was one word in particular that really got me in trouble a lot. And in our house, we call it the F word, and it is a four-letter F word, not the one you're thinking of. This word is one we use often. But it's it, a cuss word. But it's a to cuss us. word in our house. It truly is. And that word is. Fine. fine. Like, fine. I'm fine. I mean, it's, I might as well be cussing at him. It's the, it's I'm the most fine, you know? It's the most dangerous
2: word. We used it all the time. And here's why. Fine, it ends conversations instead of starting them, doesn't it? Yes. Fine is, is like guy code for like, it's been a long day. I'm out of words. I don't want to talk. How was your day? Fine, fine. And, you know, our, wife, our wife's trying to connect with us. Right. And, and, and we're just like shutting her down. I'm fine. Or, you know, you would say fine, and, and it would be sometimes masking fine. The, the fact that you're not fine. And so, right. so when we realized that when we were saying fine, F-I-N-E for us actually stood for I'm faking, I'm ignoring, I'm neglecting, I'm evading. That right. when we said fine, that's what we were really saying. And so it had to be one of these words, and, and you you might have words like this in your marriage too, fine may be one of them, that you need to just remove from right. your vocabularies. And, and now we have, we've removed it from our vocabulary. The only time I'm allowed to say it is when I look at her and I'm like, dang girl, you looking fine.
1: And I will take and, that. And...
2: I'm allowed to say that still, but beyond that, I'm not. And really, there was one key moment in our relationship where we realized this word is dangerous, it's causing miscommunication, and it's a word we need to remove. Do you wanna relive?
1: Yes, I'll I'll relive it. And it doesn't paint me in a very good light. In fact, it makes me look quite crazy and like a toddler. And it happened when we were moving and at the time we only had two small kids. We had moved to Florida, we had been in temporary housing for a while and then we finally got a house. And it had just been a hard move. And for any of you who've ever moved, it can be really hard, especially with kids and when you're adjusting to a new job, a new town, and you miss home, it's just really hard and it kinda is what I call a sandpaper season. It's like everything is just rubbing you the wrong way. And that was what it was for me during that time. It was a sandpaper season, so I was kind of on edge anyway. And we ended up getting in this house and I'm putting it together and normally that's something I love to do. So one morning I'm putting up a curtain rod and I'm walking up the ladder and I'm using the drill and it's just not quite going in there like I had planned and it's like I can't quite get it square and I'm struggling with it so I'm stomping up and down the stairs and in walks Dave fresh from the morning and he's like, hey sweetie, how's it going? And I'm like, fine. And so then I stopped back up and he's like, well, good, because you know, I was thinking about going on a run, and it's just a, such a beautiful day. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, those are two other words that are hard. And and so he goes on his run. And the whole time he's gone for like 30 minutes, I'm thinking, how dare he leave? I mean, I clearly wasn't fine. Clearly was not fine. And he's out there running and feeling the wind through his hair and feeling the sun on him like this. And he's glistening. That was amazing. And then he's blowing off steam. I was he's shaking it off to Taylor Swift. I mean, yeah. he's just having this great time. Oh, I felt, it was
2: so good. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm so glad Ashley's fine because this feels amazing. And I mean, she's just <laughs> great letting me do this.
1: And, and I'm, I'm just fuming. And I don't, maybe you're not crazy like me, but I was literally having an argument with Dave in my head at the time. And I was like winning it, totally winning this argument. And so he comes home and I'm just, I'm just <laughs> raring to go. You know, I'm ready. And he's like, "Whoo, good run, yeah. Comes in and he's like, oh my goodness, sweetie, the curtain rod's still not up. And I'm like whip my head I, around.
2: Okay, and I like, don't remember this no, part of the not. story. Yes. It, okay. Just to interject real quick. <laughs> I know, like, it, it's bad. But to give you the full backstory, to help you understand how I could have been led to the conclusion that she didn't want my help, is that I'm terrible with tools. We're like the reverse stereotype. She came from a home where her dad could fix and build anything. The show MacGyver is loosely based on her dad's yes. life. Like, he could just <laughs> fix it, do it, she thought all guys were like that. And like, she married me, I don't even know which end of the hammer to use half the time. I have four sons. Uh, this is not a, a lie or an exaggeration. Our boys refer to every tool in the house as mommy's tools. They mommy's do. tools. They do. To the point where, and again, you might take my man card for this, we were walking through Sears one day, and one, my, one of my boys, he was about five at the time, he looks down the craftsman tool section, and there are all these big, burly, manly bearded men looking at tools, and he stops, and he just looks, and he scratches his head, and he looks at me with such confusion, and he says, Daddy, why are all those men looking at mommy stuff? True story. That happened, okay? I have a very narrow skill set. all right? And so she's really good at this, and most of the time, when she says, I got this, it's a nice way of saying, you don't know how to do this, you're gonna put holes in the wall, I'm just gonna do this. And so I thought that this was one of those times and and I I misread the situation.
1: Yes, and and, and I clearly should have used words, but instead he comes home and I just released what I like to refer to as word vomit on my husband. Like the exorcist, I like, seriously, I could have like had smoke coming out and like my head going crazy. And I'm just like- You were still pretty though. I I literally (laughs) whipped my head around and I said, I can't even look at you right now.
2: And all of a sudden in that moment, It's kind of like when you're watching the movie like The Sixth Sense where you replay the whole movie in your head and you're like, oh my gosh, she's been dead the whole time. And (laughs) and it was one of those moments where I replayed the whole thing in my head and I'm like, oh, I totally misread that. And and I'm trying to, you know, we guys get this look on our face when we're trying to think of the next word or whether the next word should just be silence. And that was my look, it was just kind of like, you know.
1: Nothing came out. I I honestly realized in that moment how completely ridiculous it was for me to expect him to read my mind and that I was storming up and down the ladder like a toddler. And I realized, oh my goodness, my husband was listening to my words, and he really thought I was fine. (laughs) And I could have just told him I wasn't. I could have just asked for help. And so I apologized to Dave. I realized that fine word was really a cuss word in our house, and we weren't gonna say it anymore. And we stopped saying it that day, and I I He graciously, you know, accepted my apology, and we realized that we just need to use our words. You know, we tell our kids all the time, use your words. But for some reason, when we're married, we like stop using words sometimes. We just make all these assumptions and think that our spouse gets us and knows all of our thoughts before we even say anything, or we think we know them, we know what they're thinking, we know what they're feeling, and we don't really need to listen to them anyway, because we've been married a long time. You know, we we hear this a lot from couples that we work with and what really happens when we start making assumptions like that with one another is communication breaks down, the vulnerability breaks down, the intimacy breaks down and you just have these two people passing, you know, day to day and and not really engaging in, in a real marriage. They're more like business partners or roommates and God doesn't want that for us. God wants us to have this union, this beautiful partnership with one another and so we have to stop making assumptions.
2: No, it's it's so true. And that, that changed the way that we communicated. And when you change your communication and you get real and you get honest and you get thoughtful and you get consistent in your communication, then everything goes to the next level. We really hope you enjoyed that teaching, and we want to tell you how you can learn even more. For your gift of any amount, we want to give this teaching to you as a digital download or as a DVD. And that's not only going to bless you, but your gift is going to bless countless other couples around the world. Because when you give to Marriage Today, you're partnering with us in this mission of building stronger, Christ-centered marriages worldwide. Now, for your gift of $35 or more, not only will you receive today's teaching, you'll also receive our brand new book, The Naked Truth About Sex and Marriage. And I am so excited to share this book with everyone. Sweetie, why don't you tell them why we wrote it and what they can expect to learn as they read it.
1: Yes, this book is awesome because it really talks about those burning questions that all of us have about sex and marriage. You know, as Christians, we want to know what does God actually say about this? And, you know, what, what is appropriate, what's not appropriate? And we talk about all those things very openly. Very openly. Very honestly. And so we really want to get this into your hands.
2: That's right, because if you and your spouse can have healthy conversations about sex, about all aspects related to intimacy, we think it's going to help you connect not only inside the bedroom, but in all aspects of your marriage. And we found that with so many Christian couples, there's this apprehension about talking about sex. There's kind of a fear that goes with it or even a shame that goes with it. But God's picture of marriage is that we be naked and unashamed, as it says in Genesis. Mm -hmm. And we think the naked truth about sex and marriage will help you discover what that really looks like in a physical sense and a spiritual sense. So we're so excited to share it with you. Stay tuned and you can learn more
0: discover how you can overcome the challenges of marriage and grow closer to your spouse as dave and ashley willis share tools for building a stronger marriage in these two live sessions from the EXO marriage conference you will learn how to deepen intimacy increase unity and grow in love and friendship as you build a stronger marriage
1: When you come together and you lean on God together and you refuse to give up,
0: He can do the miraculous, and we see it every day. Support Marriage Today with your gift of any amount, and we'll send you Building a Stronger Marriage on DVD or as a digital download. Receive the videos on DVD or digital download, as well as Dave and Ashley's new book, The Naked Truth About Sex and Marriage, for your gift of $35 or more. This groundbreaking book reveals insights into what makes a marriage work for a lifetime. Start building your stronger marriage today.
2: Hey, welcome back. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching and we hope that it kind of challenged you and your spouse to think some new thoughts, specifically as it relates to communication in your marriage because the better your communication is, Typically, the better your marriage is going to be, and it starts sometimes with the simple things like taking away certain words from your vocabulary, like we had to do yes. from that story. We had to take away the word "fine."
1: Right, like "fine." We don't we don't say it anymore unless unless we're like, I'm saying right. you're fine. <laughs> I'm saying and you're you are. fine. You were fine. You know, there are just certain words that are trigger words that just kind of set us on a bad path, and that was "fine" was the word for us. But for you, it may be the word "okay." Maybe you say "okay" to kind of Shut down communication with you and your spouse, or, or maybe it's the word whatever. You know, whatever that word is, it, it, it's a word that, that keeps things from moving forward in your communication. So, really talk to your spouse about that. Think about what are those words that we tend to say to each other that really blows the other person off because we need to take those out of our vocabulary.
2: Yeah. And, and clearly, if there are words that are just out of bounds, I mean, if you're right. cursing e- at each other, if you're insulting each other, Absolutely. You know, that stuff has to stop. And, and I also want to challenge you with not only the words you say, but the tone of your words. Mm-hmm. And man, let me talk to you man-to-man here. I think sometimes we can have this sharp, kind of aggressive tone in our voices when we come home, and we've gotta, we've gotta watch that, because the tone of your words will really shape the tone of your marriage. And you might be saying things that aren't necessarily wrong, But if you're saying it with a harsh tone, not being tender to your wife, then that that tone is making what you're saying wrong. You know, the Bible calls us to speak the truth in love. That means that we got to speak words of honesty, complete honesty, but we also have to speak them with this tenderness and this compassion and this kindness and this love. And if if we're missing that tone in our language, it, it can sabotage our marriage without us even realizing that it's happening.
1: It's so true, and ladies, as wives, we can do that too. We can have a sharp tone that kind of assumes the worst of our spouse. So really think about that this week. Make it your mission to, to assume the best in your spouse and to have a loving tone, and encouraging tone towards him or her. We well, hope to see you next time.
0: Going through divorce is a lot to ask of children and often results in years of emotional pain. It's a violent ripping apart of their parents and a sense of abandonment. What sometimes we see as a quick way out
2: can mean complete loss for a child. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. You, you were made for marriage. Marriage today exists to protect children from the pain of divorce and to steer couples away from marital failure by telling them the truth. When you stand with marriage today, your individual effort multiplies with other like-minded partners. And together, we can rebuild the legacy of strong families around the world. Choose your level of partnership today and receive immediate access to the video streaming library. Become a rock-solid partner today.
0: This year, the EXO Marriage Conference is coming to a city near you. The EXO Tour is a -a one-of-a-kind live marriage conference bringing couples together in venues across the country. The greatest marriages come from two people who just go through it together and come out on the other side, and they win. Here, jimmy evans and many other remarkable speakers communicate on how to have a thriving healthy marriage find an exo tour location near you and come together with other couples as we unite to strengthen families and start something new in your marriage
1: even in the midst of something that you thought i don't know if we're going to make it through this when you come together and you lean on god together and you refuse to give up
0: he can do the miraculous experience why so many couples call the exo tour an unforgettable investment for their marriage we believe that your family has a bright future for more information and to register at a city near you visit exomarriagecom tour thank you for joining us today support marriage today with your best gift and receive building a stronger marriage Experience the EXO Tour at a city near you. Seating is limited, so register today. Visit exomarriage.com tour. Become a rock-solid partner today and connect with the mission of Marriage Today. Together, we can help couples succeed in marriage. This program is made possible by the generous support of our faithful partners.